Well, it's a great pleasure to be here. I really have a very fond spot in my heart uh, for uh, uh, Warwick. Uh, I spent a quite memorable month here, uh, in the course of which I sprained my ankle <laughs> and went to the healthcare service. I was bitten twice by a dog and went to the healthcare service. So it, it was memorable. Uh, my uh, uh, my talk is about raising happiness in poor countries. Will economic growth do the job? And I'll start with the uh, punchline answer to that first question, which is uh, no. Uh, in uh, less developed countries, uh, rapid economic growth does not <clears throat> raise uh, the growth rate of happiness. Uh, and this finding is the same uh, as that for developed countries and for the transition countries of Eastern Europe. Uh, in other words, if you uh, uh, compare countries that have very high rates of economic growth with countries that have very low rates of economic growth, you find uh, no significant difference between them in the rate at which happiness grows. Uh, the evidence for this is first uh, 17 uh, Latin American countries in uh, the period shown there. Uh, secondly, uh, nine countries scattered across uh, Latin America, Africa, and Asia. Uh, and third, uh, the one that I'm going to present to you rather than uh, the, the first two, uh, and just very briefly, uh, is China, where uh, per capita income ha has grown over the last two decades at rates uh, that are totally unprecedented in uh, the experience of any countries of the world. Uh, rates of growth approaching 10% uh, per year. Uh, they lead to a doubling of uh, income per capita in a matter of less than 10 years. So over a 20 year period, income per capita has quadrupled. If you think in terms of the personal experience of individuals, uh, who simply are aging, say, from 25 to 45, uh, a quadrupling of income in that period is uh, such that you would uh, really expect people in China to be dancing in the streets. Here, in fact, is what the evidence is on their life satisfaction. The first uh, slide that I have for you is one from the World Values Survey. Uh, it covers the period with four observations from 1990 to 2007. And you can see for yourself the trend in happiness. I've put the exact question there uh, at the bottom. Uh, uh, the second is from a different uh, survey conducted by the Gallup organization. Uh, this covers the mid part of the period from 1997 to 2004. These data were also published uh, by uh, Daniel Kahneman and Alan Kruger in the Journal of Economic Perspectives, pointing out uh, the lack of evidence on any improvement in life satisfaction in China. Here's a third bit of evidence from the last decade, the most recent decade, again from a different Gallup survey. Uh, and as you can see, uh, no evidence uh, of an improvement in life satisfaction. There's a little blip toward the end of the period and that has to do with the feel-good uh, factor associated with the holding of the Olympics in Beijing. I could give you two more surveys from different survey sources, 
that would uh, further demonstrate uh, the lack of evidence of any improvement in happiness in China in a period in which economic growth has been simply mind-boggling. So if, uh, if economic growth won't do the job, the question is uh, how can happiness be raised in poor countries? Uh, and the answer, I suggest, is uh, through public policy. In this case, as with the previous case, I'm sticking, try, trying to stick as much as possible with the evidence, simply giving you uh, what evidence we have uh, relating to these issues. <clears throat> uh, the first is some time series evidence uh, from the transition countries of Eastern Europe. I got into uh, looking at these countries purely by accident. I was invited to Germany for a week, and uh, I started looking at German data. And I said, oh, yes, well, look at Germany. Uh, uh, happiness improves and, uh, 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 as economic growth occurs. And that was because uh, I started there with 1991. So when I looked at the data, I was looking at those periods there. And uh, that seems to be what quite a few economists look at because they say, oh, look at Germany, uh, how happiness and life satisfaction have gone together. And then uh, I discovered that there was a 1990 survey, uh, and indeed in the 1990 survey, life satisfaction and GDP were both much higher. Uh, and uh, you got that V-shaped pattern of GDP and happiness moving with the V-shaped pattern. And as you can see, uh, the general trend in Germany has been no improvement in life satisfaction. What I'm particularly interested in bringing to your attention is the period from 1990 to 99. So for me, it was quite a discovery to find, indeed, uh, rather than uh, the transition bringing about an improvement in life satisfaction in uh, Germany, all it did was bring uh, them back to where they were at the start of the transition, and it's quite likely they were higher than that before the transition. My interest now, however, is in the question of uh, what's called domain satisfaction. They, these have to do with uh, asking people about their satisfaction with specific areas of life rather than their overall life satisfaction. And uh, happily, uh, we have such questions asked in uh, East Germany at the start of the transition before the union with West Germany. And then I put down also post-transition observation, uh, the figures for 1999, uh, which <coughs> are, are the ones where life satisfaction uh, peaks. Uh, and as you can see, satisfaction with the environment in East Germany improves enormously. That observation in 1990 of 3.11 is about the lowest observation I think I've ever encountered in people's reports of their satisfaction. So you get this enormous increase in East Germany in people's satisfaction with the environment. It was well known that under communism in East Germany, you go into the markets and there were often no goods on the shelf. They aptly asked about goods availability. And again, as you can see, an enormously low value People who think these surveys aren't worth much ought to look at some of these data because they are demonstrating precisely what people used to complain about in East Germany. Uh, very bad environment, uh, no goods on the shelf, 
and got very low reports of, on uh, satisfaction with these domains, and then an enormous improvement over the course of the next decade in the transition to capitalism. There's satisfaction with the dwelling, also improving with your standard of living, household income, and yet, when we look at life satisfaction, no change over the period. Why is it? Well, uh, we asked about other, uh, the survey asked about other domains of life. Uh, first, health, and as you can see, there was a substantial decline in satisfaction with health. Secondly, job satisfaction, work, a substantial decline in that as <clears throat> they moved from a situation where the unemployment rate was zero to one that characterizes modern capitalism. And finally, childcare, uh, again, a very substantial decline in people's satisfaction uh, with those domains. <clears throat> the net balance, of course, is these negative changes offset the positive changes. What you have on the one hand with the transition to capitalism is a vast improvement in people's material circumstances. On the other hand, notice what you have is a very substantial deterioration in their satisfaction with health, work, and childcare. What do those three things have in common? Under socialism, they were assured of a job, they were assured of health care, and they were assured of child care. My point in presenting this was to demonstrate the importance of policy. Here you have the elimination of policies which were very important for people's happiness. The elimination of those policies offset the positive impact, a potentially positive impact on their happiness, uh, improvements in their material circumstances. As a check, uh, we have, for a shorter period of time, observations on another transition country, Hungary. Uh, here you have uh, the changes that they reported in standard of living and, and household income. As you can see, very little change over the period 92 to 97. But as in East Germany, uh, noticeable declines in their satisfaction with health, home, and work. Again, the elimination of these uh, policies that prevailed under socialism was uh, to alter dramatically their satisfaction with those areas. <clears throat> so the lesson from the transition countries is money doesn't matter, uh, doesn't mean, isn't everything, that uh, public policies regarding family life, regarding health, regarding uh, employment, are of major importance to people's happiness. <clears throat> Here's a little bit more evidence. This is a point of time comparison. Uh, be now, so I have cross-section data between uh, <clears throat> uh, countries which uh, uh, share at the point of time that this uh, is taken uh, almost the same economic conditions. Indeed, what's amazing, uh, here is GDP per capita for the welfare state countries, Group A, and uh, France, Germany, Austria, and the United Kingdom uh, in Group B, almost exactly the same. If you go back to 1980 and compute the averages for these same groups of countries, it's almost exactly the same. Uh, so uh, basically, throughout the last 30 or 40 years, these countries have maintained almost the same rates of economic growth. In 2007, the unemployment rates 
were very, I'm sorry, the inflation rates were identical and the unemployment rates very close together. So we have here a comparison between Group A and Group B where we're holding constant essentially their economic conditions and now the interest is, uh, as we well know, public policies differ. Uh, what we have here is uh, indices computed uh, first by a Swedish scholar, Esping Anderson, uh, then revised and updated by an American scholar, Lyle Scruggs. Uh, here in the case of unemployment benefits, this is a summary measure of A, uh, how much uh, unemployment benefits replace income, uh, B, uh, how much the coverage uh, is of these, uh, these measures, C, uh, what the qualifications are for getting uh, the benefits and also how long they last. Group A uh, is substantially higher on unemployment benefits. Here's similar measures for their sickness program, higher in Group A, and pension benefits overall, uh, the same sort of difference uh, prevails, indicative of the fact that public policies in the Group A countries are much more generous with regard to these uh, domains of life. Uh, as a check on this, and as an advertisement for the colleague I have sitting on my right at the table, uh, in uh, 19, uh, 2003, uh, they published an article uh, <coughs> in which they used uh, from OECD the uh, gross uh, uh, income replacement rate uh, of unemployment benefits uh, in these same countries. As you can see, uh, they demonstrated how uh, happiness was positively associated uh, with uh, higher replacement rates for unemployment benefits. Uh, and as you can see, it shows up here for Group A and B. So we have two independent measures, sort of, of the importance of public policies in Group A and Group B. Public policy is much more generous in Group A. Uh, well, they may be more generous, but is the public aware of that? So here you have uh, the responses of the public in the two countries uh, to the question in general. How would you rate the quality of each of the following public services in your country. Uh, here's health, group A is higher. Education, group A is higher. Child care, group A is higher. Elderly care, group A is higher. Pension benefits, group A is higher. So on the one hand, you have the government being more generous, but on the other hand, you have the public being uh, quite responsive and uh, evaluating the, the quality of government services in these various areas much more positively in uh, the welfare states in Group A than in Group B. Uh, so it's interesting to say, well, how do they feel about the government in these two sets of countries? Here you have, tell me how much you personally trust each of the following institutions. In Group A, a higher level of trust in the government, a higher level of trust in political parties, and a higher level of trust in the legal system. There are those who think that trust determines happiness. What this is demonstrating, I think, is that you have a set of public policies which the public responds to with greater positive feelings about the government. They trust the government more, and those policies are also making them happier. Trust and happiness are both the effect of the government's policies. Trust is not determining happiness. Finally, we come back to domain satisfaction in these two sets of countries and ask, well, 
uh, out of the domain satisfaction data look in these countries. Here's Group A, satisfaction with work is higher, satisfaction with health is higher, satisfaction with family life is higher. I hope I'm not boring you with showing how Group A is bigger than Group B on all these measures. And of course, if you say, what does it mean in terms of life satisfaction, the answer is Group A is substantially higher than Group B. Public policies matter. Although uh, they have the same economic conditions, Group A countries are happier than Group B countries, where the public policies are much more generous with regard to the public. <clears throat> of course, there's a question to come back to the poor countries. Well, but can the poor countries afford this? So we start with Germany. I'm getting close to finish. Am I doing OK, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we start with Germany, where social insurance started back in the 1880s. Uh, with uh, a compulsory insurance for sickness, industrial accidents, and uh, pensions. Uh, at that time, uh, Germany had a GDP per capita in 2005 dollars, uh, estimated to be about 3,200. How do the less developed countries compare? Uh, those with greater than 3,200 dollars GDP per capita today account for 74% of the population of less developed countries. If we look at countries, less developed countries today, uh, with double Germany's level, we still have almost half of the LDC popula population accounted for. That's the level, a comparison of the level of GDP per capita in today's LDCs with Germany when it first started instituting social insurance. We can talk about the growth rates of GDP per capita which in Germany in the 1880s was 1.8% per year. In the LDCs today, the average growth rate is 5.1%. Of course, we have China and India both with phenomenally high growth rates. Uh, so if we knock them out, we get East Asia other than China with a growth rate of 4.8%, South Asia with Asia, India out, 3.8%. The Middle East and North Africa comes in at 3%, Latin America 2.7%, and even Sub-Saharan Africa, which previously has been a laggard, now has a growth rate of 2.7%, all higher than Germany's growth rate back in the 1880s. The conclusion is uh, countries that account for three quarters of the LDC's population have both a higher level of GDP per capita and a higher growth rate of GDP per capita than Germany did when it started social insurance program. So social insurance seems to be affordable in most LDCs and public policy in LDCs could increase happiness. And that's it.